Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport, the ultimate preview of all the weekend's Premier League action. Alongside me, Sam Matterface, this week, Darren Lewis, the assistant editor of The Mirror, and TalkSport's Alex Crook. Premier League stars lighting up the World Cup qualifications, and now it's back to heavyweight clashes in the world's best league. Right the way, till March. He's as mesmerising as Messi, as ruthless as Ronaldo. Magic Mo Salah. Lacazette with an excellent ball into the penalty. Cut across by Smith-Rowe and turned in by Bakayo Saka. It's evolving now towards what I consider to be the best eleven. It's about performances and partnerships. This week, the Gunners take aim at Liverpool. Still left red-faced from a trip to the London Stadium and with more injuries than Kieran Tierney. Chelsea, the leaders, face Leicester at lunchtime, looking to set the tone with their wing wizards and strikerless system. There's eight Saturday fixtures before Antonio Conte and Marcelo Bielsa have a who-can-do-the-weirdest-thing-on-the-touchline contest on Sunday. And two Spaniards collide at the Etihad with two very different philosophies. All that, plus under new management, an array of new gaffers and the biggest surprise is that not one of them is at Watford. It's the Premier League's best preview, the game day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello, gentlemen. How are we? All right? Really good. Good, good, good. Uh, Eddie Howe, Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard all start new jobs this week, but we've resisted the temptation to shuffle our pack. Both frontline superstars, Alex Crook and Darren Lewis, are here. Noticed I bigged you both up there. Um, I could have equally tried to psych you out like the teaching assistant who was in goal for Gibraltar the other night, who dared Memphis Depay to chip him leading Depay to blast the ball too close to the goalie. Still won 6-0, though. Uh, internationals are over. Uh, what were your highlights and what makes you excited for this weekend? Well, Scotland has to be the highlight for me. Uh, sealing their place in the playoffs, sealing their place as a seeded team. Great win against Denmark. Terrific goal from Shea Adams. A goal made in Southampton, set up by Stuart Armstrong. And with a bit of help from Yannick Vestergaard, who was five yards deeper than the rest of his Denmark teammates. So thank you to him as well on behalf of the Scottish nation. And just looking forward, as you say, to uh, constant Premier League football now in, until March. It's going to be a really exciting time, particularly between now and the end of the year. Did Southampton do what they did at the Euros ahead of the uh, semi-final and tweet a picture out during the day of Yannick <laughs> Vestergaard and try and sort of like cheer him on, despite the fact that he was playing one of the teams that all their other players play for? I'm not sure they did that on, on this occasion. I think they were quite happy to see him left with uh, egg on his face as well. Darren, highlights and uh, what are you excited about? Well, what, I've got two highlights actually because I really did like Mikel Antonio's goal for Jamaica mm. and just continued a fantastic run of form and the goal was a cracker as well. But I know, and I know people are going to not agree with this, but I do like the 10 goals scored by England. Yes, San Marino were terrible and there is definitely a separate question about why a team that's won one out of, what is it, 165 games or something, you should still be competing on the international stage instead of playing in a pre-tournament 
pre-qualifying tournament. But I just think England were professional. They went about their business the right way. And I love being at a game. I know your colleague, Adrian Durham, our colleague, Adrian Durham, posted on social about being the first time he'd seen 10 goals scored by one team in a career over four decades in football. And that yeah, it's special. It's always special when a team manages to get 10 goals. And I think England were really ruthless, really professional, really efficient. And well rewarded as well, because uh, my highlight was the sheer number of pizza boxes in the England dressing room in the aftermath of said 10-0 victory. Um, I didn't get any. I did shout uh, into the dressing room, Gareth, give us a slice, because there were so many. I wonder if they got a pizza a goal, or maybe even three pizzas a goal. I ended up counting the pizzas. There were 37 pizzas in that England dressing room. That's pretty impressive. That sounds like a Darren Bent takeaway order on a Sunday night. The, the poor guy trying to get up the uh, up to the 17th floor of the news building literally can't see over the top of all the pizza boxes that Bentley's ordered. Right, let's slice into the weekend's action. Three Premier League matches on a Saturday. Game day is back too. We are Talk Sport. Money! What Liverpool have got with Salah and Mane and even Jota who was really sharp second half they've got that clinicalness This three are better over the period they've been at Anfield they will prove that they're the best three Liverpool have had in the Premier League He's as mesmerising as Messi as ruthless as Ronaldo Magic Mo Salah Arsenal's a quality side if you go through the team they have a lot of potential a lot of quality already as well Lacazette with an excellent ball into the penalty cut across by Smith Rowe and turned in by Bakayo Saka Liverpool's eyes light up when they are paired with the Gunners Well, when Virgil van Dijk has finally stopped laughing at Louis van Gaal failing to do a press conference because he couldn't get his wheelchair through the door, uh, he will turn his attention uh, to keeping in-form Arsenal at bay. Now, in September, Darren, it wasn't too long ago, Arsenal were 15 places below Liverpool in the table, win this game, and they go above Jurgen Klopp's team. Now, it's some turnaround from Arsenal. I think we can all sort of admit that. But how much of that is down to good coaching, Arteta getting his ducks in a row, and how much of that is down to it being a kind fixture list. I think a lot of it is down to it being a kind of fixture list. If you scratch below the surface, you can see a few teams that were nowhere near as good enough uh, to cope with Arsenal. A couple of teams that couldn't kill them off, like Crystal Palace, um, Aston Villa were terrible defensively. Leicester didn't turn up in the first half. Uh, Leeds were easy. Uh, Watford didn't really take their chances and conceded to a goal that they had three chances to defend and couldn't. This is going to be the toughest test of the last 10 games that Arsenal have had so far. You can't blame them for winning eight out of 10 and taking advantage of the poor teams that have turned up against them. But now they will be up against Liverpool side that will really, really test them. And I don't think they'll keep them out. Uh, traditionally, they fare really badly at Anfield, Alex. No team in Premier League history has lost more games at Anfield by four or more goals. I think they've lost five Premier League games by that margin at Liverpool. They've conceded more there than they have anywhere else in the league and substantially more. I think they've considered something like 70 goals at, at Anfield and the next is like 50 at, at Old Trafford. Ridiculous when you know it was also the scene of their greatest ever triumph. I was going to say, where's uh, Mickey Thomas when you need him? But um, I, I do tend to agree um, with Darren. I, I do think this weekend will give us a, 
a true barometer of just how big a corner Arsenal have turned because it has been a kind fixture list. I was having this debate with uh, Darren Bent, massive Arsenal fan, saying you haven't really beaten anybody. So we beat Spurs. I said everybody beats Spurs. Uh, Leicester, probably a good Even time. United beat Spurs. It, it, exactly. Probably a good time to go to the King Power. So this is this is a real test for Mikel Arteta. I think that the, the fullback situation will be interesting because Tavares has really excelled in the absence of Kieran Tierney, but Tierney played well in, in those two games for Scotland. I think Arteta might just be tempted to bring him back in for a bit more uh, defensive solidity as, as well as Tavares has done going forward. Liverpool's injury problems might help them, but Sadio Mane back in training he should be fit. Obviously, you know, Bobby Firmino, but they've got Yotta who can fill that void. So they're not they're not massive absentees. So I agree with Darren. I think this could be a, a Liverpool win. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if they won 3-0 because I think there's still a, a chasm between Arsenal and Liverpool. It's interesting you say that about the injuries because Henderson obviously went back from international duty. He is training again, but there was a problem. Robertson had a problem on international duty. Firmino is out. Keita, we still don't know whether or not he's going to make it or not. Mane went off after 28 minutes against Togo. But yeah, he's back in training again. Gomez has had a calf injury. Curtis Jones has had an eye problem. I mean, you'd hope that some of those are cleared up over the international break. Do we know if Robertson is going to play, for example? Well, Robertson uh, didn't mention the injury on his post-match tweet congratulating his Scotland teammates on that win against Scotland. So that that would normally suggest to me that the injury perhaps isn't as serious as first feared. They've got uh, Shimakas who can come in in that position anyway. Um, and I think Mane, as I say, will, will definitely play. I think that was more of a precaution for him. I'd be more worried if they had the likes of Virgil van Dijk and, and Mohamed Salah out. I think the squad is, is deep enough to cope with the absentees. Okay. Now, I don't want to wind Darren Lewis up here, but, you know, look, I, I, far be it from me to suggest that Liverpool have an Anfield issue. Uh, but they have won just five of the 17 Premier League games at Anfield since Christmas 2020. Um, they've won two out of three this season, uh, but that's not a comfortable record, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. I, I can't even argue with that, to be honest with you. I think they've conceded at least two goals on six occasions this season. And that's a surprise because they're back to full defensive strength. You know how much I've been banging on about that. Uh, no, are we, 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 who, who were they missing last year? We, we sort of lost that. <laughs> Van Dijk injured for Is a he, period. I, I, can't know, remember. I can't remember. I think he might have been. He might have been. Anyway, anyway, I think that last win against... Love you, Virgil! <laughs> don't worry, we, we haven't got to Southampton yet, so don't worry about that. Uh, or Man United. Um, listen, I think as far as West Ham are concerned, I think that win for them... People might be seeing it as a slip-up for Liverpool, but I think West Ham are stronger than people think. And I think Liverpool are still a very, very good side and they will bounce back this week and I've got no worries about that. We own Saturdays, the biggest matches at the biggest moments. Leicester City nil, Arsenal 2. And it's an instant equaliser within 60 seconds and it's Harvey Barnes who scored. They don't become a bad team overnight. They're having a little bad time but it's the first one. I absolutely love being here. As long as they don't want to move me, then I'm, I'm very happy being here. It's finished. Chelsea won, Burnley won and Chelsea miss out on the chance to go five points clear. It simply does not matter and uh, how many points we have and they have, it does not matter. Now for the that I think that anybody finishes above Chelsea mm. will win the league and I'm not sure 
anybody will finish above Chelsea and that is as much to do with who they're signing about who sits in their dugout. Brendan Rodgers is the talk of the town and if you're a regular listener to this podcast or talk sport in general you know that I too believe that Manchester United should be targeting uh, or at least looking closely at Brendan Rodgers if they're going to change the manager. Um, That talk has intensified over the international break. Uh, Darren, he will be in the dugout at Leicester City on Saturday but for how much longer? Well, it's a really interesting question. Can I, before I answer, can I ask you a very, very quick question? Yes, please do. There, there is also talk that Zinedine Zidane is in the frame. If you had the choice of the two and you were a United fan, I know you're not, Crook is, but I'm just asking you, would you take Zidane or Rogers? I would probably take Rogers because I think he fits into what they want to do. Zidane has done, obviously, m- marvellous things, but uh, I'm not entirely sure... From the stuff that I heard last two weeks ago, that he's ever really fancied working in the Premier League, even less so ever fancied really working in England. So, um, look, I'd, I'd be surprised if Zidane got it. Obviously, he's a great manager, a great football man, and obviously the players would react to him very, very quickly. But I just think if you're going to try and look for a long-term option, then Ben Rodgers is probably the man I would choose. Now, I've been banging that drum for a while, so I can't change my mind just because you've told me Zuzu's available. <laughs> well, the thing is about Leicester is it's quite ironic that they're actually on their worst run for a while, yeah. and he's been linked with Man United. They've only won four of their last fourteen games in all competitions. Yeah, but they've had serious yeah. injury issues, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we know why they want him. You know, he turned Liverpool into challengers, Celtic into champions. He's working the transfer market's been fantastic. He's he's for the, uh, the Community Shield, or that's really a training exercise. Let's not kid ourselves. But, Competitive game. <laughs> no, not really. He's listed um, as a competitive game. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. That I didn't change the rules. The FA changed okay. it. Yeah, but it's not a competitive game. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I can see why they want him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see whether the really stellar players respond to a Rogers over a, uh, a, a Zidane who because the word is that Ronaldo wants us to Dan and would, would would be pushing for him to come. I think if Zidane were available and wanted it, you'd have to give it to him. But that would be another reason well, not to appoint him for me, that Ronaldo well, was picking the manager. I mean that would that would certainly be another reason not to do it. Because otherwise you're just giving giving the guy everything he wants. And yeah, there's got to be some sort of in, level of structure, surely. Yeah, Sam, if you get someone of that vintage, of that calibre, the most clinical finisher in world football, somebody with such a, uh, an instructive and powerful personality that if he's not happy, that could seal your fate as a manager. You give him what he wants, because if you give him what he wants, he delivers for you. Yeah. What worries me about Brendan Rodgers very quickly, yes, he did wonderful uh, things at the Celtic, but listen, it's not that difficult. And Liverpool. Uh, to win titles at Scotland. He did well at Liverpool, but ultimately they fell short at the end of the season. That w- That is what would worry me, because if you look at Liverpool, you look at the last two seasons at Leicester, when the goings got tough, when the pressure's intensified, on three occasions, his team have fallen away. Dare I say, bottled it at the business end of the season. That would worry me if you're talking about going into a club like Manchester United who want to be competing at the business end of the season. This is a record for Crook. He's actually having a go at the manager they haven't even hired yet. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, no managerial ups and downs for Chelsea who can extend their lead uh, with a victory live on TalkSport. Mount is fit, back in training after dental surgery. Lukaku's in training, probably not going to play this weekend. Uh, James and Chilworld look in stunning form. 
Uh, but will they have enough to knock over uh, what is an inconsistent Leicester crook? Well, it's ironic that Mason Mount has had some dental issues because Chelsea were quite toothless in front of goal, weren't they, against Burnley when they had plenty of opportunities. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I've been saving that one for, what, two weeks? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting contest. Um, I love what Thomas Tuchel has done to combat the absence of uh, Lukaku up front. I think Rhys James and, and Chilwell, they're not, they're not really defenders anymore, are they? They're almost given... Uh, license to roam as fullbacks. I think other clubs uh, will take note of that and, and follow suit. And, and Darren's right, it's a good time to play Leicester. You look at their record, four wins in 14, isn't great. Even when they have won, they've not been particularly convincing. They've got a big game to come in the Europa League on Thursday, which may just distract their attention. And then you've got the Brendan Rodgers story. Will, will that filter into the dressing room and, and maybe distract the Leicester players? So I think this is a, an opportunity for Chelsea, but they are going to have to be more ruthless in front of goal than they were against Burnley because I don't see Leicester offering up the, the, the volume of opportunities they had in that game. And certainly Kai Havertz, I think, hasn't yet really fully embraced that false number nine role and, and, and stepped up and filled the void left by Lukaku and he needs to do that. Well, Tuchel will say he's not a false nine. He's just a nine. Um, rightly or wrongly, he says that no, no, he's done it before and he will continue to do it again. He's a nine. He holds the ball up. He brings people into play. He scores goals. He creates goals. Uh, he hasn't scored that many yet uh, since taking over from Lukaku. So we'll see what happens uh, this weekend live on TalkSport. That's a 12.30 game at three o'clock on TalkSport. Stevie G's first game in charge of Aston Villa. Aston Villa against Brighton. We've got all the big ones on game day this week. Looking forward to this. Uh, live on TalkSport at three o'clock at Villa Park. I think he did very well at Rangers. Led them back to the summit of Scottish football. But he's starting from a very low base here, Darren. 16th position in the Premier League. How much can he realistically achieve with a team that only just finished 11th last season? They had a very good season last season and only finished 11th. I think they're a fabulous. Uh, they've got a, a fabulous squad. Um, they've invested really well. I, I do think that they pushed the panic button over Dean Smith far too soon. Yes, five defeats in a row, but when you consider all the work that he did, getting them promoted, keeping them in the Premier League, he deserved more time than that, I have to say. And I think that they sacked him because they knew that Gerard was prepared to come. And so, first sign of trouble, they threw him overboard. But I think the work he did at Rangers is very, very underestimated. I, I agree with uh, Alex that it isn't a competitive league, but he took over a team that were demoralised. They uh, Pedro Cachina had been sacked. Graham Murty was in for another spell in 2018. And, uh, you know, he, he made them more disciplined, more organised. He coped when Morelos kept getting sent off every other game. Um, he got them scoring goals. He took them to the top of the league. I was looking through some of the comments when he actually took the job ahead of this podcast. And I saw... The job was described as the baptism of fire, poison chalice, worst tactical decision since Custer's last stand. And at the time, they were in a three-way fight with, um, I think it was Hibbs and uh, Aberdeen for second behind Celtic. And last season, he took them to the title and he ended that run from Celtic. So I think he is a guy who's going to go in, get them organised, get them disciplined get the respect to the players. And I'm quite excited about seeing Aston Villa under Steven Gerrard. 
I'm not sure fabulous is the right word to describe the Aston Villa squad, but we, we can debate that a little bit no, later. No, maybe I'm being a bit for, uh, charitable. You're right about fabulous. that. Fabulous. That, that, that was quite quite high. Uh, but he comes across as an inspirational character, doesn't he? Uh, but apparently he leans very heavily on uh, Gary McAllister and Michael Beale tactically. One thing he, he did at Rangers, which I think was quite important, was is that uh, he transformed the defence. They went from conceding 50 goals per season before he arrived, 27 to 19, and then just the 13 last season, which is particularly impressive. Um, they got to a stage when they were just sort of scoring the first goal in matches and then shutting the opponents out. That shows that what can be achieved if you give him time. But Villa need a shot in the arm now. How will he give it to them? Well, I think what he'll do is go right back to basics. And I, th- I think he'll focus on making sure that the back door is shut, just like he did at Rangers. And if he's able to do that, then they've got a chance because they've got the players to score goals. But those players aren't doing their defensive work. And if he could get that Rangers side thinking about the back door rather than the front door, I think he can do it with the Villa. Uh, they've got a, a fabulous platform to build on. I think he'll do a bit of surgery in the summer, in the January transfer window. Certainly if players aren't able to do what he's asking them to do in the short term. But ultimately, I think that his squad is far too good to be around the teams that are down there and they will not be down there for long. The league is very tight, Sam. And I think that a couple of wins and suddenly he's back in the mid-table mix, three or four wins and he's back pushing for the top six. So, and I'm not I'm not getting carried away before anyone gets cited. Yeah. I'm just saying it is still relatively early days as far as the season is concerned. Yeah, I think top 10 finish will be absolutely, to use your word, fabulous uh, for uh, Aston Villa this season. Uh, you stitched me up like you stitched me up last week over uh, Stoichkov. Never. Never, never. That's not that's not my modus operandi, as you know. Um, uh, fullbacks were important to this uh, Rangers uh, to his Rangers team going forward, weren't they? And that is a strength for the Villa team. So uh, Cash and Target, I think, can expect quite a lot of game time, albeit with defensive limitations. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
grab the popcorn, turn off all distractions. The show has started. What a finish, what an equaliser from Jamie Vardy. And what an important goal that is going to be for Leicester City. Comes out to the edge of the area and it's stopped home by Ben Chilwell at Chelsea lead. There's so much uh, needed in terms of, of focus, concentration and, and consistency. Aston Villa have got themselves a new head coach and he is Steven Gerrard. The excitement levels are really, really high. I'm very hungry and very ambitious. The staff can't come quick enough. The Andrew Sosson equalises for Brighton. Of Albion. Magic Mo Salah is Liverpool's latest icon. I think with the quality we have, we should be uh, in around the top of the table, so and that's where we are. Away by Thomas, in by Smith Rowe, and Arsenal lead by two goals to nil. This is Talk Sports Game Day. We own Saturdays, the biggest matches at the biggest moments. Newcastle Brentford is Saturday, three o'clock. Get to that very shortly. Tottenham against Leeds, Sunday, four thirty, and we'll speak about that after we've talked about Norwich, Southampton, three o'clock Saturday. Uh, Dean Smith was sacked as the Villa boss on the Sunday before the international break. Less than two weeks later, he'll be in the Norwich dugout for their game with Southampton. Uh, clearly, it gives them a better chance of avoiding relegation. But how realistic does it make survival? I mean. Two points from 10 games. The only Premier League team in history to take fewer points in the opening 10 games. Uh, Sheffield United last season. Yes, they played a game more and they actually won that, but they sat the manager anyway. Is there any realistic hope, Darren, that they, they can stay up? Does it make it better for them? Well, the stat is that no team that has failed to win any of their first 12 games has survived in the Premier League. So that win basically means that the pulse is still beating. Uh, I think that if he were to go in and get them organised, maybe do a bit of surgery in the January transfer window, again, they could have a chance. But in terms of priorities, he's got to sort that defence out. He's got to get a role for Billy Gilmore because we saw him play for Scotland. And you think to yourself, why on earth is he not playing regularly for Norwich? He's, yeah. he's too good not to be in that side. Also get the talented um, Todd Cadwell back and going again yeah. and get some cover for Timu Puki as well because they're not scoring enough goals. It's interesting that Darren mentions Todd Campwell because I was told by a pretty reliable source earlier this week that one of the reasons that Norwich were attracted to Dean Smith is because they believe he can do for Campwell what he did for Jack Grealish at Aston Villa, turn him into Norfolk's very own version of the £100 million man. So I do think he will have a, a prominent role between now and the end of the season. I think it was criminal um, that Daniel Farker wasn't using Billy Gilmore more regularly. As Darren has said there, he started each of the last seven games for Scotland. He's become uh, one of Steve Clark's most important players. And if you're telling me that Billy Gilmore is not good enough to improve this Norwich side, then you're watching a different sport than I've been over the course of the season so far quick word on Dean Smith I was reading uh, yesterday that on his way back from his holiday in America he watched Norwich's last five games on the plane I mean that is a man who clearly knows how to enjoy himself sorry sorry when was his holiday he's just been to America hasn't he so it was old and he got sacked on the Sunday right <laughs> went to America on the Monday went, went, much. took the Norris job on the front when did he come back how long was he in America for was it the whistle stop I, tour I think he came back on, Craig on the David. Sunday I think he came back on the Sunday yeah, so it was seven days
Uh, right, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a record as well, isn't it? It's never happened before in the Premier League that a manager has taken charge of his last game for one club and his first game for his new club against the same opposition and certainly not just two weeks apart. Not in consecutive matches, actually, yeah. Uh, Dean Smith, um, look, you, you mentioned Todd Cantwell. They'd fallen out, Daniel Farker and Todd Cantwell, and that was a big, big problem for him because you don't fall out with your big superstar if you uh, want to stay up in the Premier League, especially when you haven't got resources, and Norwich certainly haven't. Um, look, they follow this up with a, a game against Wolves at home, Newcastle away, Spurs away, Manchester United at home. All big relegation clashes, with the exception of the Spurs one, obviously. Uh, Norwich have scored five times in 11 games. Saints matches are not great in terms of goal return. Um, a low-scoring match, or will this buck the trend and be a raucous, chaotic slugfest, Darren? No, I think it'd be a low-scoring match because if they're going to stay up, one of the bit most important things Nor uh, Dean Smith has got to do for Norwich is get them thinking defensively. They've been too open, it's been too easy, and I think they will not survive if they can't build on what they did just before the international break. So I think he'll keep it tight, look to nick it, and frustrate Southampton. Um, will Armando Broja be fit, or will Saints rely on Adams or Armstrong to lead their attack? Uh, well, I think even if he is fit, when you look at the form that uh, Adams has been in and the, the goal that Armstrong scored against Aston Villa, I think he will, will have to make do um, with a bench role. But you, you mentioned that defensive solidity. I think obviously they lost two of their back four in, in Bertrand and Vestergaard. Put a lot of faith in, in Liveramento, Theo Walcott on TalkSport on Sunday night compared to a young Gareth Bale. I mean, that is high praise indeed, but they look a well-drilled, well-organised machine. I think this is a difficult first game for, for Dean Smith because Southampton were excellent for the first hour against Aston Butler. He will know exactly what he's in store for this weekend. Tottenham Leeds is Sunday at 4.30. Antonio Conte taking his first match in charge at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the Premier League anyway this weekend. And he takes on Marcelo Bielsa for the first time ever, would you believe? Uh, Harry Kane scored seven goals since they failed to have a shot on target at Everton. Will they see a reborn England captain this weekend, Crook? Well, I think he's clearly going to take a lot of confidence into what he did in the international break. Okay, you have to take the level of opponent into consideration. I don't know how Antonio Conte will feel about Gareth Southgate bowing down to Harry Kane's request to start that second game against San Marino. On on one hand, he'll be pleased that his, his talisman is finding his shooting boots again. But on the other hand, I think he would have preferred that Maybe he took a bit more of a back seat. However, I think Leeds are good opponents uh, for Tottenham. It's not quite gelling for Marcelo Bielsa this season as it did last. I've mentioned on this podcast already this season, the fact they're not clocking up as many kilometres on average as a team per game. That would be a cause for concern. They're still missing key components. I think this is a big opportunity for Antonio Conte and Tottenham to get that first Premier League win under their new manager Uh, yeah they need Kane to fire because they've scored um, he's scored more goals for England actually this season than they've scored in the Premier League they've just got nine in the uh, last 11 games there hasn't been many goals in Leeds last few matches I suppose that's where Tottenham will hope to get because that defence until their last outing with Everton looks simple to slice open but he went back to a back three he always plays a back three um, and that looked a little bit more solid in that game. But Romero is a doubt for this weekend. The transfer window can't come quick enough uh, for um, Tottenham Hotspur, one of another number of teams that are desperate to bring new recruits into the uh, Premier League. Rafinha scored five of their 11 goals. He'll be the danger again, though, won't he? Yeah, he will. The only problem is uh, Leeds can't defend. Only two Premier League wins all season. Only three wins in all competitions 
this season. They are awful. And I think we're seeing the last days of Bielsa there because the magic for their club appears to be disappearing. I think as far as Spurs are concerned, it's fascinating because three of Conte's six coaches are focused on fitness. He's given the players <laughs> specific programmes to go away with. We told them they were all overweight, didn't he? He did. He did. He said, I never want to see you this unfit again. He's been really, really stringent. A lot of us doing match reports after the Europa League game on the Thursday before the international break. Um, we were struck by just how long the players were running after the match in front of us. Uh, and I, I'd be amazed if one or two of them didn't throw up when they went back into the dressing room. And I'm quite fascinated about Harry Kane because I think we are going to see a very different, leaner, fitter, stronger Harry Kane this season than we've probably ever seen him because fitness and the lack of it has been a feature of Tottenham's defeats so far this season and their inability to compete. So, um, I, I, for me, this game is fascinating because I don't even think it's about who wins or, or who loses. For me, I just want to see what kind of Tottenham turns up, how they look, in terms of organisation and leadership, what sort of system he tries to find. Because Conti's teams don't go on long losing runs very often. He, he finds a way to get the best out of them, like he did really quickly at Juventus, really quickly at Chelsea, really quickly at Inter Milan. And I think that with the system he comes up with after the nil-nil draw, which was a really good defensive base to build on at Everton, is going to be everything this weekend. Uh, both wins for Leeds so far have come uh, against teams below them in the league. Uh, Leeds have not been as good as last year. But I think if you speak to anybody from Leeds United or supporters of Leeds, they'll say that just before the international break, there were some little signs of improvement, a couple of half-decent performances. I mean, you'd expect an upturn as their injury list, which at one stage included all their best players down the spine of the team, uh, come back. Um, Crook mentioned that they had run less than they were last season. And I think that's a major feature, isn't it? Because this time last year, they were ranked number one for distance covered per game in the Premier League. Right now, they're ranked eighth. And and that's a problem because that was the facet, the main facet of, of why they were, were winning games not just the the fact that they were super fit, but because they could keep going longer than anybody else. Yeah, and intensity really has been a buzzword since Bielsa came in. It was the secret to their success in the championship and certainly it was the reason they picked up points where maybe they shouldn't last season. So I think that is a concern. But I'm with Darren. You know, we know that Bielsa only likes to commit to a one-year rolling contract. I think whatever happens this season, he might just make the decision to take a back seat and there'll be a new manager. I think I'm right in saying this is the longest in his managerial yeah, career that he's spent with either club or country. So it's very Umbiosa-like that he's still there in the first place. And Newcastle against Brentford, who's going to get three points here Saturday, three o'clock. A debut for Eddie Howe at St. James's Park with a visit of Brentford. Uh, we know that he would have been on the training ground morning, noon and night in the analysis room, formulating tactical plans. Uh, will he make an immediate impact this weekend, Crook? Well, do you want a, uh, a crookie bold prediction for this week? Oh, hold on. Crookie bold play. Darren's already mentioned it. No team have ever stayed up in the Premier League without a win in their first 12 games. I think only two have ever done it without a win in their first 11. And nobody since Derby back in 2001. Newcastle yet to win this season. 
I think they will stay up under Eddie Howe. And you've already uh, mentioned the work that he's been doing in the training ground. I can vouch for that because I've been trying to pin down Jason Tindall, his assistant, for an interview all week. And uh, basically, he spent so much time watching videos of the opposition, so much time in the training pitch. We've, we've not so far, as we record on Thursday morning, managed to do that. Hopefully this lunchtime, yeah. um, we will be doing that and you'll hear from him on game day on Saturday. They are not leaving a stone unturned. I think there's already been an uplift in terms of morale. Callum Wilson speaking to the local paper, saying how much he's looking forward to playing a more attacking style of football. That was a thinly veiled swipe at Steve Bruce. So I think Eddie Howe, who's had a lot of criticism in some quarters, not least from our very own Simon Jordan about his credentials for the job. I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong and he will defy those statistics and he will keep Newcastle in the Premier League even without the need to spend big in January because I'm not sure January is going to be quite as busy as maybe Newcastle fans are expecting. Callum Wilson doesn't do thinly veiled swipes, by the way. He just says it as it is, which is what (laughs) he's done over the last six months, which is why we knew that there was a problem in the first place. Um, And uh, you you can't get hold of Jason Tinder. Well, Eddie uh, has promised that I can go to the training ground next week and sit down with him. But then again, now I'm trying to arrange that but he's too busy watching videos. Maybe they're just snubbing us. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe that, that is what it is. Um, Brentford. Um, have, uh, what, what? No, yeah. No. Oh, sorry. Got to go. Got to go. Um, I was just talking to Jason Tindall. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> he took your call, uh, which is good. Um, Ivan Tony going back to his old club. He hasn't really translated his early form into uh, goals, has he, Darren? Uh, no, but I think there's still time. Uh, he's still trying to adapt to the Premier League. We know that he is a striker who can score goals. So their form as a team has fallen off. They've been beaten in their last four games. So I think it's a whole team problem rather than a, a Tony problem. But yeah, you're right. He's only scored once in his last three games and that was in the EFL Cup at Stoke. So he's going to need uh, to to rediscover that form. But I think once Brentford as a team get their confidence back, we'll see a more confident Ivan Tony. Well, Newcastle might uh, help them out. They've shipped 10 goals in the last five games, so there's every chance he might get one this weekend. Brentford have suffered four straight defeats in the Premier League. Another one here would certainly underscore Crookie's claim about relegation. Might start to look a little bit more lightly. There's no doubt that, that, that Eddie Howe will give Newcastle the best chance possible uh, after his sort of Newcastle brown owl with the punters, a tour around the big market. He'll have the punters and some of the players whipped up into a storm. He'll need to have done that because man for man, there's not much between these two teams, actually. But it could be a turning point, couldn't it? Because let's be clear, you know, you can debate Brentford and whether or not they're going to end up in a relegation scrap, but Newcastle certainly are in a relegation scrap. Three points here today may well be an indicator that they can get out of that. Yeah, and if you look at his first four games, three of them on paper look very winnable. So I think we're going to know a lot more about Newcastle's survival hopes after that run of four matches. I said before that the new manager bounce is a bit of a myth, actually. More managers start their reign with defeats and start in glory. But with that big home crowd at St. James's Park, it's going to be a, a terrific atmosphere. I would expect Newcastle to start on the front foot, try and score early. That was very much the trademark of Bournemouth when Eddie Howe was there. I think this could be a good afternoon for the locals up in the northeast. I'm going for, of the three new managers this weekend, two victories. Dean Smith. That's just because you hate Southampton. And Eddie Howe. I don't hate Southampton. Yeah. 
Dean Smith and Eddie Howe. That's what I'm going for. I think Gerard will draw or lose at home on Saturday. I'm going one win. One Eddie win. Howe. Eddie Howe. Okay. Darren? I'm going two wins. I'm going to go Stephen Gerrard and Eddie Howe. Shock. Stephen, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't fall over again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the quiz. Well, Manchester United have had a miserable month, so it's best we limit our conversation about them until Monday's pod. Lucy. Hello. All right. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Lucy, uh, last time we spoke to you, you were going to Blackpool. Did you have a nice time? I did have a nice time. Did you ever go on the big one? No, do you know what? It was short because of eye winds. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> I know. Absolute nightmare. Uh, did you have any good rides? Was there any good rides that were open? Um, well, the Grand National was shut as well. Quite uh, <laughs> peeved off about that one. It's a bit rickety though, that one. A bit dangerous. Um, but, you know, I quite like the Big Dipper. I, did you? <laughs> yeah, okay. I did. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. One thing I didn't ask you about um, was uh, because obviously you were going up there to get a Kiss Me Quick hat. Did you get a Kiss Me Quick hat and ha- has it had a long lasting effect? No, it hasn't had an effect, but I've been okay because I've been on a few dates recently. Have you? The same person. What, with one person? With one person. Wow. What does that mean? Does that mean we're in a serious relationship now? No, it doesn't because we're only five dates in and if he listens to this, I don't want him to be scared. Okay, but you have stalked his social media, added him as a Facebook friend on Instagram and on LinkedIn and Twitter and everything else. No, I haven't added him on Facebook and it's a good job because Crookie's just spent the last five minutes trying to find him. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably uh, (laughs) what he'll be doing in the next few minutes when you start the quiz. Right, so... As Sam has already mentioned, we're going to be covering Saturday's game, Watford against Manchester United. So let's start with you, Sam. Yes. So these two have played each other 14 times in the Premier League and Man United have managed to pick up the majority of these victories. But how many of these games has Watford won? One. Incorrect. Crook? Two. Correct. Oh, you're such a fluke. I was, if you'd not said one, I would have said one, to be fair. Crook. As everyone knows, Watford also go by the Hornets. But what animal is on the club's badge? Oh, this is interesting. I know this one. Got to be specific as well, by the way. Oh, I don't know, I don't think. I can, I can picture the badge. Do you know what? I want to say scorpion, but it's not, is it? A scorpion? Oh. What's the matter you? <laughs> Goodness sake, Darren! Isn't it like a reindeer or um, uh, no, an antelope? I'd like you to be specific. Do I have to be? I mean, yeah, 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 because it's really important. Animal is by looking at it. Really important. Let's see if you get it, Darren. Yeah, go on. Is it a gnu? (laughs) No, it is not. Is it a heart? Yes, it is, Sam. It is a male red deer. Uh, Because of Hertfordshire, is that correct? Right. If I had said deer, would I have got the point? No. It's got to be a heart. It's got to be a heart because if you don't say heart, then it's not a heart. All right. Sorry, Lucy. Sorry, Lucy. Sorry, Lucy. We love you. So, there's no chance of a steward's inquiry then? then? No. (laughs) (laughs) She said a GNU. GNU. What even is a GNU? I mean, who thinks there's a scorpion on the Watford badge? (laughs) That would have been a real sting in the tail. Right, Darren. 
I am going to give you two quotes on Manchester United now. Okay. Both of these were said last season by the same person, but can you tell me who? Let's go for quote number one. If ever there's a time to win the Premier League title, it's now. And quote number two, Manchester United were a shambles. Imagine how good those players could be with a proper manager in charge. <laughs> and is... Come on, Darren, it's pretty obvious. That sounds like something Crook would say. <laughs> it is. It's our very own flip-flopping Crook. Well done. <laughs> uh, so what does that mean the scores on the doors are? Sam and Darren, you're in second place with 10 points and Crook's still in the lead with 10.5. Half a point. Even though I get stitched up with the questions every week. Well, it's good news that you're half a point in front because you've uh, only turned up for half the podcast this week. Um, right, okay. Four of Watford's five defeats recently have been to nil. I suspect that that will happen again this weekend against Manchester United. Uh, right, let's move on. Manchester City against Everton is two o'clock on Sunday. Everton's relatively gentle start helped them to amass a few points early on, but it's felt like downhill ever since. Dekure is a massive miss for them and looks like his ankle injury is going to keep him out for a little bit longer. Holgate suspended. Calvert-Lewin giving no indication as to when he will be back. Still no Andre Gomez. And now Tom Davis has picked up uh, a problem. What chance do they have against Manchester City, Darren? I think many Manchester City will pass them to death. I think that they will take advantage of their uncertainty at the back. And they underline the reasons why Rafa Benitez will have to dip into the transfer market in January, ship out some of the underachieving players, reinforce that defence and get some cover for the midfield. Yep, um, although they've got no money to be able to do that because if you looked at Kieran Maguire's breakdown of uh, financial fair play, they are the team that have very little headroom in terms of being able to spend. So they're going to have to trade their way out of a problem. That's that's my point. Ship out some of the underachievers, get that money in and reinvest it. That was my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? It's difficult, isn't it? It's just really difficult. Although it was difficult in the summer as well, and they did a very good job in getting uh, Damari Gray for for Peanuts and Andros Townsend on a free. Uh, Laporte suspended for this one. Grealish not sure... Uh, whether or not he's going to be fit. He went home early from international duty. No goals and one assist in his last nine appearances. Sterling's had a personal matter to attend to. He's hardly played this season so far. But the squad, I take it, you think Crook is, is deep enough to deal with those absences? Yeah, especially when you mention the, the absentees for Everton. You you are correct to highlight Decore because he's been such an important player for Rafa Benitez early in the season. I think for me, he's as big a loss as Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Thank you very for difficult. marking my homework. I appreciate it. Very difficult to predict a Manchester City eleven. It's always a headache for, for fantasy football managers to know which Manchester City players to put in your team. But I wanted to highlight Rodri, who started all but one of their Premier League games so far this season. That's very unusual um, in a Pep Guardiola Manchester City team. I think he learned his lesson after leaving him out of the Champions League final. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been talking him up this week. There's been comparisons in the Manchester Evening News to the likes of Sergio Busquets and Xabi Alonso. It was a, a problem, wasn't it, in terms of how they would replace Fernandinho, but Rodri has stepped up to the plate. So 
Full marks to you, Sam, and full marks to Rodri as well for becoming such an integral player for Pep. Um, City have won their uh, last eight matches with Everton and Gabriel Jesus has scored more goals against them than any other team in his career for club and country. He scored eight goals in his last nine appearances for Everton. So remember that when you put him in your fantasy team as a, uh, as a result of this great advice and then he misses a sitter. Burnley against Crystal Palace Saturday, three o'clock. Burnley got a point off Chelsea just before the international break, but in truth, they were second best for most of it. Palace have been in good form, Darren, but they need to turn impressive performances into victories don't they yeah they do but I think they, they're improving really well uh, under Patrick Vieira as you guys know I'm a big Vieira fan I never really saw what people saw when they talked about uh, him being a risk I couldn't really understand why the last two wins have suddenly had people who were doubting him shouting about him from the rooftops winning at City obviously was incredible but beating Wolves to confirm that showed that they're no fluke and that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with Conor Gallagher in midfield is going to be a star they won't be able to keep him of course and they're going to have to find comparable talent I don't know how they do that next season but you know some of the young players that lots of people thought would take a long time to bed in they're doing really really well and I can see them going to Burnley and winning Um, Burnley will pose a physical challenge but Palace don't seem to mind that Crook no, they don't. And uh, in Mark Gurhey, there's a player there who I think could possibly make a late challenge for a place in the England squad for the upcoming World Cup. He's been a fantastic addition. I like both central defenders. I don't think they'll be ruffled by Burnley's physical approach. Where do we see Crystal Palace now? Because I think at the start of the season, I, I was less confident in the Vieira appointment and Darren Lewis. I thought they would be one of the teams looking over their shoulder. Are they, are they now a team, given how well they've started, given the former Conor Gallagher, given how Odson Edward or Odson Eduard, however you would like to say it, Sam, maybe you can clear that up, uh, has settled into life in the Premier League. Could they challenge for a European place, potentially? I doubt it, on the basis that the uh, challenge for a European... can challenge for a European place. Will they get one? Very difficult, because it's so competitive at the top of, of the Premier League. If you think that there are teams fighting it out to be in the top four, um, one of them is going to miss out. Maybe Manchester United will end up missing out on that. You know, Tottenham, they'll be challenging for a European place. Leicester will be challenging for a European place. Arsenal will be challenging for a European place. Are Crystal Palace going to jump above any of those teams? Unlikely in the current scenario. Um, but look, they're, they're, they'll be happy to stay in the Premier League and play better football. I mean, that is the, the remit of Patrick Vieira. And they've certainly done that up until this point. Whether or not they can kick on from there, I think there's always limitations that are placed in, on a club until you've had a, a longer spell where you can develop incrementally. I mean, that will take a while to start formulating that plan, I think. But, you know, look, there's always those one seasons where, where strange things happen. Uh, West Ham certainly didn't just have a strange season last season. They're sustaining it this. They go to Wolves this weekend, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Mike Dean is in charge of this one, so Aaron Cresswell should know that he won't survive any meaty challenges this time around. Um, but West Ham should be OK, shouldn't they? Uh, they're unbeaten on the road so far this season. And Connor Cody has indicated that Wolves were playing better when they were losing, Darren. Yeah, um, I think West Ham will be fine. They're in ter- terrific form at the moment. But with West Ham, it's not necessarily about form. It's about the new mentality that they have under David Moyes, where they believe they can win every game. They're organised. They know their jobs. And he, he people say, oh, well, they don't have the depth of squad, but they play different teams in different competitions. 
And so everyone knows that they'll get their chance. But I think he'll send his strongest side to Wolves because Wolves under Bruno Lager are doing very well indeed. But I still think West Ham, at the very least, will get a share of the points. Darren mentioned the Antonio goal uh, for Jamaica. <laughs> the funniest bit of that goal for me was that his teammate trying to smash the rebound into an empty net and absolutely fell over. Uh, gave us all hope that we could yet be international footballers. But West Ham have actually gone uh, to the length of paying £100,000 to fly Antonio back on a private jet so they can get a training session uh, in his legs before that game at the weekend. We've seen the past... Uh, that maybe he would have been rotated. Doesn't look that way. And I guess that's an illustration of how important Antonio is to this West Ham project. And I'm really enjoying West Ham this season. Um, I was speaking to a Manchester City fan who went there for the League Cup game and he said, oh, it was a cracking atmosphere at London Stadium. It hasn't always been that way, has it? It's felt a bit soulless since they moved from Upton Park. But I think the fans are really buying into what David Moyes has done there. They're buying into a very likeable group of players. And slowly but surely, they are making London Stadium their home and quite an intimidating place to go. So You've got the new investment as well. Be interested to see how they spend money in January. I think Jesse Lingard uh, very much is back on their radar. At the moment, it's uh, onwards and upwards as far as West Ham are concerned. Yeah, I was at the Manchester City game when they won on penalties in the Carabao Cup. And uh, the atmosphere was, as you say, terrific. And I think the club needs to be credited because it's not just David Moyes. He's done a brilliant job at getting the team right and then galvanising the spirit. And the backroom staff have done brilliant to support him in doing that. But actually... You know, they did kids for a quid in the middle of half term. They absolutely packed the place out. And I mean, it was literally, there was no seat unfilled. And that stadium, when it is completely full, can not only make a huge amount of noise, but it looks quite good. You know, the whole thing, the the way they've dressed the stadium now with the the carpet at the front and the bubbles that go up at halftime and before the match and the fire breathing uh, sort of cannons that do the... The, the hammers in the in the middle of the air. It's, it's all sort of part of the show. And actually, the whole event of going to the London Stadium has become a, a much more of a thing. And that has helped, I think, generate the atmosphere as well. I mean, they'll also be helped by the fact that Declan Rice has had a little rest. Um, Jared Bowen didn't go well on international duty. So there's a lot of players there that actually, who probably needed a rest, have got a rest, which is good for them as well. Is he a bit unlucky, Jared Bowen, that he's not being talked about much in terms of England? Or Ian Wright mentioned England him. selection. Um, yeah. uh, I don't think I don't think he's being talked about by by England. If I'm completely honest with you, because he's not come through the system, is that a problem? Uh, no, I think he, I just don't think he's up to the same level as some of those players in those forward areas. If you look at the list, the long list of forward uh, players that could make a, a 23, I don't think that he would be near the middle of it. Or near the top of it. I mean, he's he's going to be towards the bottom of that. I think he's done very well. But breaking into that team is going to be very difficult. And it should be. And it is. They've just got to the champion, European Championship final. They've just qualified in uh, first place uh, from their group. But also without losing a game. And with the most goals across the entire continent... They've got a fantastic defensive record as well. One of the best across the, uh, I think the joint best with Denmark, actually, across the uh, the continent. So, look, it's not an easy squad to get into. And I think Gareth Southgate has made it pretty plain. When he first came into the job, he did have to give a lot of debuts. He did have to regenerate the squad. He did have to turn over what was a tired old team that wasn't really going anywhere fast. And he did put his trust in some younger players. But the younger players that he put his trust in, I'm talking about Saka, Mount, Foden, Reese James. These players are an exceptional level of talent. They're, they are they are not players that come all, along very often. So 
in order to dislodge them or those around them, you're going to have to be very good. There will be a change. I do fear for Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho going forward because I don't think they've done enough to ingratiate themselves back into the England fold. But, you know, you look at Rashford. He's missed six of the last eight international squads and he was only injured for two of them. That would be a concern for me. I don't think he's played a single minute in qualifying. No, is he that hasn't. right? Not, not played a single minute in qualifying. Which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And with Jaden Sancho as well, if you'd have said after the European Championships, Jaden Sancho will be struggling to keep his place in the squad for the World Cup, particularly on the cusp of that big money move to Manchester United, I think most people would have thought you'd taken leave of your yeah, senses. But if, but you, if, you, if you were in the England camp during the, the summer, you would be actually surprised that he was still in there because he, he wasn't training very well at all. And it would have been, and I think Gareth sort of got on record, he said he couldn't put him in the team, really. I mean, he did against the Ukraine, but he couldn't put him in the team before that because... You know, all the others were looking and going, well, we're all training better than he is. Yeah, and again, listen, I, I've, I've used a lot of different sticks to beat Ollie with. Some United fans have latched on to the fact that Sancho isn't playing, they spent big money, doesn't know how to use him. Again, I'm not sure he's covering himself in glory in training, and that might be the reason that he's not getting too many minutes for Manchester United at the moment. Okay, well, you haven't covered yourself in glory today with your terrible internet and your bad use of a microphone. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's great to see you again. Um, Darren, you've been brilliant. I, I've loved your company today. I love you too. Yeah, I, and I've missed you the, the two weeks that we were apart. Make sure that, make sure, make sure that we're back together next Thursday. And the Game Day podcast will be back together on uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, when you wake up reviewing all of the action. Uh, Crook and I actually recording it in person together on Sunday night, which is dangerous for the bartender across the road afterwards. Um, Right, keep downloading. uh, Tell all your friends about the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. And remember, this Saturday, it is the place to be, TalkSport, because we've got not only uh, Stephen Gerrard's debut as the Aston Villa manager at 3 o'clock on TalkSport. We've got Leicester against Chelsea, the leaders, and at 5.30, Liverpool against Arsenal. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.